1: bookmakers.com Check. There, we're back, we're back. I don't know yeah. what's going on with the sound on this on this um, thing at the minute. But anyway, let's start again. Welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. Welcome to um, a special interview with Dave Pell um, from The Echo. Uh, Chester fan and no skin in this game. Um, looks at the financial side of Liverpool and Everton for The Echo. This show is brought to you by bookmakers.com. Go and check them out as well. And look, Dave, we've set this up because of an article you you brought out over the last last week um with regards to fsg and john w henry and you know we spoke about six weeks ago um where we we were talking about where the club might go sales partial sales whatever it might be but john henry kind of broke away from well he kind of put some clarity on it when he was talking to boston Red Sox fans and he said no liverpool aren't for sale um is that where this article ended up coming from? Because you went, oh, hold on! If if this is what he's saying, I need to go and speak to somebody here and find out exactly what's going on. Uh,
0: kind of, yes. Uh, I mean, John Henry is notoriously doesn't do too many media interviews or media appearances. I mean, that's that that's both sides of the Atlantic, really. I mean, much to the chagrin of um, Boston fans and Liverpool fans, he it, largely, I mean, it has been in the past because he, he's tended to. Speak quite candid, and it's his candour. And it previously, usually got him into, um, into more bother than maybe um FSGPR would have liked to have happened. But uh, the Q and A did with the he did it with a number of um, sports outlets, uh, media outlets in in the US, The Athletic, um, Boston Globe, Boston Sports Journal, and Boston Sports Journal. In the very kind of last question, it, it addressed that major point of Liverpool are no longer. For sale, mm-hmm. um, which, which were they ever really? You know that was that was that's that's up for discussion. I mean, from from what I was told and what we discussed last time around, it was always very much a an investment th- uh, investment push which they were looking for. Um, but yeah, that kind of kicked open to the door. There was obviously there was the ability to have some dialogue, obviously in Boston there. Um, and I had a you know I, I, it, it isn't. I mean, journalism is a job. <laughs> whereby you are, I mean, as good as, I suppose, you, the people you can connect with and the people you speak to. And we had a mutual kind of, uh, there was a, a contact through a contact and it, it kind of manifested itself from that, really. It wasn't a case of going through the club or um, or, or kind of the, the, the PR channels or anything. It was uh, one of those things where I had to ring the club on Tuesday morning to say that I was going to do a piece coming out with John Henry. So it's um, it's one of those things, really. So um, it, it kind of was born from that. There was a the fact, there was a, Seemed to me there was an open window there for some dialogue, um, however brief it may be. Um, so that was that was what prompted it really. Um, just really wanted to see what the level of commitment was to Liverpool, um, what the kind of funds might be made available uh, this coming summer. That was always going to be a subject, which was which was kind of. Um, Given a bit of a kind of a grey answer, I suppose, because it's very non committal, as as, as kind of the article um, made out. But the longer term commitment was was reaffirmed. Um, Mike Gordon, there was some to and fro about what may happen with Mike Gordon because obviously he he was seconded from his role at Liverpool. Um, He uh, transferred his responsibilities to Billy Hogan um, back end of last year and that's going to mean Billy Hogan's still now the driving force in terms of boots on the ground what they do but having Mike Gordon back involved in some way shape or form in terms of guiding the ship will I think appease certainly Jurgen Klopp and gives that sense of, of kind of uh, a bit more calm and balance as to what was a fairly frenetic period wasn't it between mm. kind of november and uh, and january we had the news of obviously the, the f s g looking at investment potential sales still are i think yes they are I mean yeah. and that's 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 another thing that was quite telling I, I thought one of the things that, she, that came out from that was um, i mean john henry said that he they'd kind of identified um invest investor potential investors through that process um which they do which they went through in um Back into last year, so um, that will probably kick on in the next um, in the coming weeks and months, in terms of um, identifying kind of real serious people that they can get involved with. Um, I don't know whether, whether it was last time we spoke, it was around um, we talked around the potential for, for media companies, entertainment companies that may fancy a slice of this, and for Liverpool and FSG, that makes, makes sense, um, in terms of they can get someone into scale a business, provide them with a, a whole load of capital, but also help them to, to guide what the business looks like in the next five to 10 years. Uh, after which time they, they may decide to cash in the chips and check out, but then they'd have someone in situ who could um, be in the position to take over the club um, in its entirety. But I mean, that's all that's all pure pure kind of uh, hearsay. But but yeah, there it, it, it was a really... There's a period of time where the Julian Ward stuff came out shortly after that. And obviously on the back of Michael Edwards um, last summer, um, everything seemed really uneasy. And then obviously we had Ian Graham um, kind of saying he was going to leave. But in recent weeks, we've had a bit more security over, um, at least we know what's happening now. I mean, it's investment they're looking for. Um, then we've had Will Spearman is going to be taking over Ian Graham's role. That's you know That, that provides some continuity. And then Mike Gordon kind of being in and around the, the fray again, that, that again makes things, you know, it, it starts to redress the balance. And with that tying in with the form on the pitch, I think all this is starting to, to even itself out a little bit um, after after a real period of, of of tumult.
1: Yeah, look, when you go back to November and, and the story's broke, um, and this is probably going back on, on the other show that we've done, and if you haven't, I'll link it, in, I'll link it above for people watching afterwards. But, you know, when you go back to November and the the, word, the story came out, oh Liverpool are for sale, um, you know, and nothing really happened, and and we were saying on the last last interview we done with you, where we were saying, has anything happened? Like you know, like there's no doubt if if they brought in um. They brought in two financial institutions, didn't they, to look at things. And I think that's kind of being cleared up as well in the last couple of days, where yes, they brought them in to look at potential investors and that's gone through and, and stuff like that. And he says when he's talking to the when he's talking to and um, the Boston Red Sox, Red Sox, he says that you know, Liverpool and for sale. We have looked at potential investment and there is a there is a chance of that being there and strategic partner as they call it. And look, all, all this to me is fairly standard. Right? Uh, without making a big hullabaloo, bear, it's already standard. And people that don't like FSG will immediately think, "Oh, here we go. He's defending FSG." I'm not. If FSG aren't in Liverpool tomorrow, and Liverpool are able to compete at a financial level, I'm absolutely fine with it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make a difference to me, um, really. If FSG own Liverpool or not, like I'll just go and watch Liverpool. Haven't said that I do have issues over state ownership, and I've said that quite clearly. Um, but but this has gone on and. Like, is it a bit underwhelming when it comes down to it? You know, because you ask these questions, you get the, you get great answers. Don't get me wrong, because it's answers people wanted to hear. But is it a bit for all the f- for all the f- for all around it? Does it come across well? Yeah, probably. I've got the answers I needed, and it just seems like normal business practice. Because that's the way it comes across to me. Maybe because I'm, I'm I'm trying to be logical all the time. It just comes across as yeah, they're not selling yeah they never really said they were yeah they're looking for an investment it absolutely makes sense because Liverpool are earning 731 million or something in, in revenue every year and you know run a business brilliantly and like, they run a business brilliantly there's no argument against that but when you look at what they're up against they probably have to stretch beyond that to compete and that's some of it's down to the way their model is and some of it's down to the way others carry on as well Um, does it just feels like this is a bit of a normal progression thing, but there's definitely going to be pressure on them come the summer to spend a lot of money. It, it is. I mean, I, I've said, times, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever written
0: so much about something which has never happened before. Um, I've written chapter in verse about things that just haven't happened um, or, or, or weren't going to happen. I mean, it was back in, it caught me, it caught me by surprise actually, because I'd, I'd been in New York in end of October um, last year um, and when the FSG kind of sales stuff broke uh, early November, it kind of caught me by surprise because, well, always, they've always been like open to, to looking at out, uh, inward investment, um, but the full sale thing, um, caught me by surprise a little bit. And so it wasn't until a couple of weeks later, um, when I said speak to some people who, who kind of you know, have built relationships with, know, and trust, etc., and, and they said repeatedly it was a case of this is um, testing the water in the wake of Chelsea. Um, they wanted to know a value of the business um, because it's very difficult because we live in a, or we operate in, in football, operates in, largely in, in English football in kind of a sale market. So the, um, the sale of the last team represents the kind of the, the chance of value or, or the value proposition in the next sale. Um, Chelsea provided that for the first time for a long time, because um, because teams in the Big Six just don't come up very often um, for sale. So I think that prompted Liverpool to think, well, maybe we we see what the business is worth here. But it's not just a case of for, for the full sale; it's a case of they wanted to see what the business is worth, so they could see how much they could sell for a, um, a partial stake and, and, and what the, the kind of the equity value with that would be. Would it allow them enough money to recapitalize the business um, to allow them to, to meet these kind of? I mean, they're going to have to make. You know, if they, if they go on an extensive rebuild this summer, yes, they can amortise those transfer payments over the next, you know, five years or so, and they've got the room to do that because their amortisation payments are kind of the lowest at the top top six, I think, um, or their amortisation charges rather. They, um, but you still have to meet those kind of payments, the the initial kind of capital required to make those payments. Chelsea had that when they had the sale, which is why they've been able to sign all these players um, because they had the capital behind them from Clear Lake. Um, there was a whole chunk of capital there. They can make all these transfer payments initially. It's fine. Then they can spread the payments over over a longer term. All well, that's fine. Liverpool don't want to negatively impact cash flow too much. So recapitalizing the business in, in that sense makes makes sense. Um, it allows them to value it in terms of if they're seeking finance for other things and they're able to do that. They have a value on the business. And it, it was just a very normal kind of business practice really if in, in the Cold light of day, and I think it's caught co- it's taken some people by surprise a little bit in, in the US, certainly about how it was perceived over here. Because here, obviously, it is dominated the news agenda. Then we had the whole um talks around the Middle East, our Qatar involved, and and saying you know, even re- even as, as recent as last month, it was oh, they've been in, in Liverpool meeting with FSG representatives. I mean, not, none of that happened. You know, it was I dare say there was some private interest when they saw Liverpool might be on the market, but nothing. And I say real because I, I was hauled over the coals for this uh, <laughs> over the past couple of months about saying that no real interest meant there was no interest in Liverpool as, a, as an asset. Yeah, um, real interest real, is where you're talking real about. In a, real interest, on the table. you know. Um, yeah. yeah, someone actually coming forward I'm interested say, in
1: you know, I'm interested in Ferraris, but I don't walk in and put an offer down on a Ferrari. Yeah, no, no. It, yeah.
0: Absolutely, it, it's, um, no one came forward and said, this is what we think the business is worth. This is the stake we want, and then so there was a lot. Of, there was a, a narrative which which kind of carried on for a long time around the whole thing fell down over over the stake that FSG wanted uh, to sell to Cato, and then they somehow just pivoted their attention straight to Manchester United after that, as if we're selling kind of um you know re- assets which are which are worthless. I mean, they're not. These are football clubs with a huge business plan, uh, and they know exactly what the you know, these people think long and hard about making these kind of investment choices. Chelsea's sale created um, a, a value in the market, which gave Liverpool something to... FSG something to put against kind of what they thought the business was worth. But also, and crucially, it created losers. So it smoked out a lot of the potential investors uh, in European football who wanted to invest in a top six team, put together a consortium, but then ultimately lost out. So then you have a pool of people you think, well, these guys have got um a significant amount of cash they're ready to invest etc but for liverpool it's not just the case i mean they could go on, um tomorrow and, and try and find someone to buy a, a kind of a stake in the in the club or in fsg as a whole um who would sit there park capital and do absolutely nothing with it i think the idea behind this is that they want someone who's going to help them um not just through giving them a a chunk of cash, and it's always I'm always asked, well, what does earning, what does anyone get from this? You know, why would anyone take it, make an investment into? Well,
1: I've I a, que- a, a couple of questions here, so I'm going to try to match, it. and we will do questions at the end, the last five yeah. minutes, we can rattle through a few. Sean says, if we are going on the horror migrant. Moral high ground in terms of state ownership and human rights—we don't have to look any further than AXA and Nike. That's not my point at all, Sean. Um, if you go into any football club, any sporting organization, or indeed any organization, big organization in the world, you will find someone that they're tied to that has human rights issues. That's not my issue at all with Commonwealth state ownership. My my thing with state ownership is, is that a state. And, it do, and people think straight away you're talking Middle East. I'm not. I'm talking any state on this planet can come in, take hold of the Liverpool Football Club, and then start making up sponsors and making up finances and telling people that they're earning money off A, B, and C. And these A, B, and C literally don't exist. That's my issue with state ownership. And indeed, any owner that does it. But state ownership for me is where... That's where you get the big issue. I don't care what state it is. I And human rights, we're all against. We, we, we all stand up for human rights, and there's only so much we can do. But when you talk about state ownership, human rights is a massive issue. But, but people seem to ignore this over here where, where are we okay to go in and start saying we're earning 50, 60 million a year off this company that has some, you know person's face that's on the sixth page of the google search as their ceo no that's not for me and that's where i stand on, on it um but I, I gavin think... gavin nichols asks as well sorry he says did you ask him or get the impression I, I, i'm going to paraphrase a little bit did you ask him or get the impression if the, the percentage of a sale like a minority sale would be in fsg or in liverpool football club because i think it's important if the, that that not not that it's clarified that we have an idea here because wasn't a redboard bought x amount of um yeah. family sports group We're like where's all that money why isn't it going to liverpool i think if if it's an investor it has to be an investor into the liverpool football club as opposed to family as a, as a larger organization
0: liverpool is the uh the vehicle which they're looking to get investment in specifically they it, it wasn't it was mentioned a few weeks ago that they may look towards um taking investment into fsg but i'd from what i can gather it's been liverpool specifically which they've been looking towards because they want to recap capitalize that business specifically um it would be quite easy for them and, and very um far less uh kind of in, suppose, labor intensive to, to just get redbird to to increase an equity stake in fsg as a whole it wouldn't impact any um because they don't have they don't have a seat on the table at, um at liverpool in their board seat there um they would still be under the threshold. I mean, there would be no direct influence in terms of Liverpool, so they could do that even though they, you know, AC Milan to lose. But that's not been a, a go-to move. Uh, they could have got Arctos or any one of those to increase their equity stake in in FSG uh, to to realise some more cash. But they want it has it, been focused on Liverpool and realising kind of bringing in new investment into Liverpool um, Football Club. Um, because that will ultimately directly impact Liverpool Football Club. The Redbird deal for FSG didn't impact Liverpool because it was it was an FSG deal. I mean, it came during COVID. Um, there was uh, people got quite giddy about it around um, would it be used for transfer fees. Largely, I think the underlying thing was they didn't they wanted to aid cash flow during COVID, but also maintain growth. So that's what they are. They are a, they are a growth business. They are a, a sports building empire. That's what they do. It's um, It's, uh, it may seem rather, um, you know, we may not like it because we're football purists. I mean, ultimately, I just want to, like yourself, Cal, I mean, I support Chester. We're owned by the, the fans, but we went bust in 2010 and, and ultimately, I don't really care. I mean, I want, I just want to watch the football and just know the, um, the ownership is, is, is an aside. It's something that ideally I don't really want to think about, you know, but um but they were in growth mode, so they're a business. So they're they're a growth business. So they bought the Pittsburgh Penguins um with a part with a chunk of that capital. It was never earmarked for Liverpool transfers, et cetera. But ultimately, um people buy equity stakes in these businesses because of the value proposition and the value may grow over the next five, you know, four, five, six years, um, which is I mean five three to five years to seven maybe is when like PA private equity tends to um the lifespan of that investment when they cash out and that's when they realise that the benefit of their investment. Um so what they do with the capital really is, uh, if then they're not too concerned with. But Redbird's a bit different because they're growth, they're they're business builders. So they themselves, so they provide scalable capital. So they will provide capital to, to businesses to provide growth, you know, to help them grow, which is what they did with the Penguins. Um, so yeah, but this to answer the question. And, um is around uh Liverpool investment but hmm. you can never rule anything else out what i think the the whole the whole focus has been on liverpool
1: so let's just say let's let's do um let's just let's just take a hypothetical okay um liverpool sell twenty percent of the football club Right? FSG sell twenty per cent of Liverpool Football Club. And let's just value at eight hundred million pounds, right? Because four billion is the number that floats around. I don't know if it be higher or lower than that, right? Because I'm no expert on this. Eight hundred million quid is being paid by whoever to buy twenty percent of Liverpool football club. Where does that eight hundred million go? Because a lot of people think, oh, well, FSG will just take their eight hundred million, someone will come in on board and they'll just truck on um, the way they are, but my belief behind it is: Hold on, if I'm putting 800 million quid in here, I'm I'm putting in a big commitment to to your project. I need you to show some of, some commitment towards me coming in as well. So FSG might end up with 400 of it, and 400 is earmarked for wherever it might be within the club. Infrast- well, infrastructure is fantastic now when you when you see what's finishing up at the Anfield Road end by the end of this year, um, or the, but already but to start of next season, I think, um, but is that the sort of money you're looking at is that where where the investor comes in and says I'm giving you A but literally I want half of that to be put into the club you know and you know on field stuff wherever it might be and that's how they work with each other because I'm not investing 800 million quid in Liverpool for FSG to take 800 million and say I own 20% now and like we're, we're earning 700 million a year but we're spending absolutely everything we have to keep up with what's going on elsewhere it doesn't it doesn't make sense
0: I think what we you may see is um, I think someone well, I've not been been told this, but I, I do think whoever comes in now will have it be someone that has a, a say in the business, uh, takes a seat at the table. And we haven't had that um, before, really. Uh, aside from, F- I think it'll be a different voice. I think if if someone if it does happen, I think it'll be someone that takes a, a stake in a seat at the table. But the in terms of the the capital that arrives, that's it, it's definitely been it would be pure kind of pure pure guesswork to, to see where it goes but you imagine that um there will be a lot still earmarked for infrastructure because this is a I mean this is they are trying to identify growth um opportunities still whether that's through acquisition of more real estate whether that's through um I mean I mean the debt issue isn't so much I mean isn't so so pertinent because it's an intercompany loan that they, they've been paying interest, you know, they've been paying back over a period of time. Another chunk of that was paid back off the recent accounts. Um go towards aid cash flow, etc. Um, but yeah, but then um, there will also be a chunk of it used, um you would you would imagine, you'd certainly hope, for um for squad rebuilding because ultimately that's Liverpool is still only as valuable to FSG as it, it, that goes hand in hand, the success on the pitch and the success of them as a football club uh, off the field goes hand in hand um, more so than any of their other sporting assets, because the the potential pitfalls for for failure are are particularly deep. Um, whereas in, in baseball, I think we spoke about last time, I and mean, there is the ability to kind of do that um, much while, while fans become annoyed at that, it, it, you can have up years, down years, Liverpool have to maintain consistent performance in order to satisfy commercial contracts, to satisfy um, the desire of players to to sign, the desire of players to stay, uh, to to tap into lucrative uh, prize money such as the Champions League and also to be in kind of getting the the, the major broadcast revenues um, from European football as well but also to hold on to their global audience because they are unlike the Boston Red Sox they are a global um they're a global brand so it's a, it, it, they have a fan base of hundreds of millions around the world um and i think the us particularly still sees themselves as scratching the surface of that of that market um moving forward um broadcast is going to change immeasurably uh i think over the next 10 years we're going to see a lot more kind of stream content football clubs aren't going to have, have so much own ownership over that content still because ultimately the premier league would kill itself if it did that um but it would liverpool will want to to get a find greater ways of monetizing their own global fan base and also be making sure that they're at the top table when it comes to Champions league reforms um Premier League reforms in terms of media rights etc. so they're only going to rise and i think fsg know full well that if they they were to have sold now they would have left money on the table um so that's i mean but to to, to kind of earmark where all this money's going to go because we've put kind of a you know an arbitrary figure on it there of eight hundred million so it's um but you imagine that there would be some uh, attributed to to kind of aid in the balance sheet then also infrastructure development because I mean, there will still be opportunities for real estate because fsg are huge into real estate that is a, a real i mean they have their own real estate division um in the us and um, uh, in boston i mean they, they own pretty much most of the land around um fenway park i mean there's a huge redevelopment um going on in and around there uh, they've just last year they finished the um i think it's the, the 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 music hall there so it's a five thousand seat concert arena what's to say they don't but purchase real estate in Liverpool, um, in and around Liverpool to grow that portfolio, um, because mm. that's that would be of huge value to them. It would be something that would ultimately benefit both club and, and, FSG ultimately. Um, so there's a lot, um, there's a lot which could potentially happen with that, and it. But again, it it would be pure, pure guesswork. But it, it's kind and of just as well.
1: just in 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 the case of. You know, if Liverpool one you know, we, we see we see these accounts that come out and we see the revenue that they take in and the and the the profit is like minimal. You know, but that goes against what you're paying out. Like, you know, it's it, it costs a hell of a lot of money to run a football club and people do get frustrated at at the at the you know, the fact that, you know, we earn all this money and yeah, we're having we're having an a, a, an indifferent season, it's starting to become from bad to, ind- it's a bit indifferent, it's getting better as it goes on. And people do get frustrated. You know, when you see the likes of Chelsea going out and doing what they've done over the last, and, and that to me is a fiddle you know, keep putting eight and nine year contracts in. That's a fiddle. There's just no they're about it. and I'm okay to say that. Do you know what I mean? Um I don't know where I am. <laughs> well I don't know if you are I well I have I no problem saying it. You know, like <laughs> nobody's gonna give out to me. Um but, but 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 I do get Liverpool's fans' frustrations when they see this going on they say to themselves, you know, geez, like you know especially when it comes down to the midfield last season, you know, Arthur Mello comes in and you're kind of going, What? And part of me does go, ladges need to go a bit than that. And then part of me does go but hold on, who's making that call? Is it the manager making that call? Because there's so much, there's so many questions there as to, is the manager deciding, no, I don't need anyone? And, and the manager comes out more or less says, you know, um, I think it might be in towards Christmas, he said, or, or after the window. And he said, yeah, well, I didn't think we needed one. You, everyone think we did. And I think you might be right. You know, when he says stuff like that, but, but there's no getting, there's no getting around the fact that what, what's leaving Liverpool this summer with regards to numbers and what's going to need to come in with regards to FFP, I presume Liverpool are in an absolutely fine position to go out and oh, spend yeah, yeah. 200 million <laughs> quid, um, yeah. uh, net spend, as people like to say. They're in a position to do that. I, I don't think there's an issue there. Is that right? Because it's
0: FFP is no issue for Liverpool whatsoever, it's um, it, it won't be a consideration. I mean, the we, you, you touched on before about <clears throat> minimal profit. Um, for an investor coming in to look at a football balance sheet and think, "Well, I'm going to invest in football because um, I'll, I'll take a dividend from the profits," uh, it just doesn't happen. I mean, Liverpool made revenues of record revenues, was it 594 million, um, and they made seven and a half million pound profit pre tax profit. That is, it doesn't make normal business sense. You know, Liverpool exists to be break even. That's the model. Uh, Anything above from that is a bonus for them. But the value proposition for Liverpool lies in it growing every single year until such time when they feel it can no longer grow any higher. And that is when they, they kind of cash out. That's where the value proposition for them lies. They So that's why paying their own way is, is very critical for <coughs> them and being a sustainable business. Um, while that comes to I mean, that is a cause of, it's a major, major bone of contention because people look around and they say, well, the um United spending considerably um more than Liverpool but obviously then they have the huge debt issue um they are they you know the, the glazers take uh, take dividends out of out of the club uh, for better or worse um regardless of how they perform during that season so there's a the very different dynamics at, at play um but as it, as an investment opportunity as an investment proposition if you were looking at um, the profit and loss, then you probably just wouldn't bother. But that's people. You know, the the, the idea is looking at that. This is these are seen as longer term investments, where there is a value proposition further on down the road. So that's um, that's kind of where the the value lies for Liverpool. But um, but they are in a position to spend. They can spend if if they want to, but they also need to because, as I mentioned before, it's a case of they are. You can't be. Um, there's a reason why there is success for. Uh, I mean, why. Manchester United popular globally because they were a successful brand on the field as well at a time when the Premier League was exploding so when it was reaching new markets and and touring um, and touring countries uh, you know around the globe for pre-season etc and reaching new markets for the media uh, uh, so they they were at the forefront of it so they they kind of really embedded themselves in that Liverpool have come along this past decade well, certainly the past 5 6 years um and they've really brought that to a new generation and grown that fan base. But in order to be successful off the you have to you have to be successful in football on the pitch. Which is why um, there is I mean, you they've they've been tremendously successful in um, almost kind of cheating the house a little bit. And and uh, I mean, we talk about I mean, we've said
1: about Moneyball and, and yeah, they've, the... they've definitely they've definitely taken risks. And you know, they invested some, of, some of them those. Look, was, they do invest, because, you know, yeah. like if we, if we look, if we look at like the last couple of signings, it's, it's 40 million on Gakpo, It's, um, it's 64 raise rising to possibly 80, um, on Darwin Nunes. And then, um, Luis Diaz was 50 odd million quid. So the last three players, you know, is 170 million quid raising to probably 190 if that's, if my maths are right. So it's not like they don't put money in. Right. Um, the thing is, for me, is that the outs have been the problem, you know, and they should have got rid of two midfielders last summer, and they should have spent money to to replace them, and that's for me is a mixture of, that for me is a mixture of, you know, a the planning was wrong, and b when you don't do that, people will accuse you of oh they don't spend money. They, I think they don't spend money because they didn't act on the outs last summer and I think I actually hear him from Klopp now where he is without saying it because he's quite loyal to, when I say loyal to players people think he's, he's too loyal I'm saying he's very respectful of players and doesn't throw a lot under the bus but I think it's starting to come around now that Klopp is more or less saying yeah we need to we absolutely need to strengthen in, in, in certain areas and he hasn't come out and said oh well I'm, I'm them two are going and I'm getting these I want these players in but there's two steps to it. And that's where it's interesting with Mike Gordon coming back in because he's quite close to Jurgen Klopp. Um, you know, yeah, you've seen um, Michael Edwards leave and, and, and the other lad is leaving now as well. But it seems to be a shift. But, you know, they spend a lot of money. They earn a lot of money. That's the model. You know, you, you have to live with it. And even at this model, without investment, without investment come this summer, Liverpool need to go out and spend Possibly, I, think, well, I done it last. we done a show last week and it came out with about 190 to 200 million net. Right? Because all we could see leaving for any money was possibly Cuevan Keller and Joel Matup, which is probably 35 to 40 million. If you're signing Joe Bellingham and you're signing two more midfielders on top and possibly a centre-half, we even had the centre-half in as a free transfer to see if you could keep the money below 200. But it gets very close to 200 even if it's three players. So they have to spend it. But the one, que- the one question I want to ask you is what's going on with Man City in the Premier League? Okay. We know, we know um, that Liverpool are competing against clubs that Liverpool feel aren't on the same playing field as them. They've come in from day one and have said they were big into FFP when they came in. We, we heard about it all the time. Has what's gone on with the Premier League and Man City peak liverpool's interest fsg's interest where he went yeah we are looking into a full sale but hold on a minute because if this gets thrown at man city and something happens to man city it reels everyone else in and then liverpool in i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A very healthy financial situation becomes stronger again because of it. Do you think that might have influenced maybe the decision a little bit because they would have known what was coming before anybody you know all these owners know what's coming before you know the general media or the general public
0: they'd be happier for sure in terms of <clears throat> seeing that there is i mean it depends how it's followed through but if, if this is shown to have some teeth uh and and ffp and and things what well, profit and sustainability rules etc being taken seriously and if you wait for grow some more teeth and clamps down harder in Europe on the likes of PSG, etc., uh, and really gets a hold of it, then that that absolutely is is something which would um, would please FSG. Whether it's it's been a, it's been a factor in their decision making in terms of um, them remaining custodians of Liverpool, I don't know. Uh, I, I genuinely don't know. I mean uh, that. I, like from what I was told from from people who were, who were close to this from the start, it was always a case that it was an investment search, never a full sale search. So I don't think they've ever thought we're selling. But then hang on a second, I know that um, a couple of things were quite bruising for uh, FSG and maybe John Henry in particular. So the. Uh Project Big Big Picture, he was an advocate for, uh, he was a driver for. So the, the, the change to the Premier League about reducing the the size of the league by I think it was two teams, um, maybe kicking back more money to to the EFL and then uh maybe removing them or Premier League teams, maybe they take they take part um, voluntarily in things like the Carabao Cup, um, which would allow them to free up more time in their diary to to do exhibition matches or take part in other competitions, etc., um, that was something which Henry was an advocate for. I do think the Super League was something which um a lot of teams went along with because it would have been absolutely you need to be kind of <laughs> inside the temp P and out
1: then outside the temp P in type of stuff. So Yeah, but the way um, the way they went around that was horrendous. Oh, you know, horrific- as a as a PR exercise to Liverpool fans, it was horrendous. Almost um
0: Almost unforgivable. I mean, and, yeah, and they are almost. They are very, yeah, I, I agree. They are very, lucky, very lucky. Actually, that um, the complete. I, mean, they, I think, I think they had an element of some credit in the bank, which allowed them um, to avoid the kind of ire that the Glazers had. But it, they were still as culpable as, as anyone else because they went, they went forward with it. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously, what's happened since then, the supporters board is all excellent. Um, but there is, uh, there is an element of. The football football governance hopefully is changing, um, which will provide sterner guardrails around it. The, the kind that they've always wanted to exist in English football ever since they came into it, because they are from North American model where there are guardrails around spending, um, there are you know, salary caps, etc. Now it's very difficult to bring that North American model to um, to English football largely especially about salary caps because i i was i went to the uh, the ft uh, summit in london last week and someone made a very valid point around salary caps the north american model exists around salary caps because there is a collective bargaining agreement um so the players vote the players have a stake in this they vote they have dialogue around the league around the you know what they what is acceptable to them um when it comes to to uh, to wages and payroll, um, so nothing like that exists in England. So there's no the salary caps are very very difficult to implement. So with that kind of off the table almost, FSG will, will probably be wanting uh, English football uh, football's governing body and European football's governing body to to show some teeth in terms of uh, their rivals. And obviously, what happens with City is, is going to ultimately what happens with City will. Will define what happens for the English game moving yeah, forward. I think, think that's yeah. um, but I don't know how I mean that that could be. A, it's going to be something which rumbled on for a long, long, long time. But um during that period, you imagine that the the, the microscope is now firmly on um some, you know, for City and other clubs in terms of how they operate moving forward. So, I mean, Newcastle everyone made a huge. I mean, obviously that the the Saudi takeover there was was a major major concern. Uh, for or contra- controversy for uh, for English football waved through by British government largely because they didn't want to annoy the uh, the Saudi government too much because they had so much inward investment into Britain. Um, you didn't have to look too hard to see that it was a billion pounds spent in a, in terms of an energy plant plant Savic in the northeast. Um, around the time the Newcastle takeover. So all these things are interlinked. So and of course um, you have
1: the, the the thing with the PJ and the Live Golf at the minute where yeah. um a person very yeah. close to Newcastle United <laughs> is being named as a as a member of the Saudi Arabian government. Um, yeah, and Newcastle had given all, yeah and they've attacked. given all the assurances <laughs> that these people had nothing to do with the Saudi Arabian government. And, yeah. you know as much as you, you you might applaud the Premier League for coming out and saying you know, um, we have an issue with Man City. This is what it is. It's taken four years, hundred plus charges. Fine, um, but at the same time, uh, you see this other stuff that's going on, and and you nearly, you, you nearly bl- not blame FSG or other owners for going. You know what? I've had enough of this because mm. we're putting everything we have into it. We're we're spending everything we have, and we just can't, we just can't get close to these people. You know, I'm convinced that the whole 2025 um, new FFP for coming from 2025 was thrown out, was, was put out there in 2022 to give these clubs three years in order to get themselves in order and and pick up whatever they need to pick up to walk in in 2025 and go, oh, yeah, no, we earn 900 million quid a year. You know, yeah. um, here it all is. And that's a that's a massive issue. Um, but look, I'll let you go in the next couple of minutes. I have a couple of questions to throw at you quickly, but one last one from me. Um We've spoken about Liverpool needing to spend money. Um, I think the mistakes... Liverpool have been brilliant for the last five years, right? Since Klopp arrived, they've built up to something in start 2018 for me. <coughs> and since then, they've been brilliant. They've been a joy to watch. They've been a joy to support. You know, go and watch them at Anfield. Go away in Europe, whatever you want to do. They've been brilliant. And the players they brought in, the way they've financed us, I think absolutely fine. I think over the last year, I think they've let themselves down um, with regards to... I think the owners, I think the manager, I think recruitment, I think as a whole team, they've been indecisive in what they wanted to do for the next stage. That's that's my opinion. And you can assign any percentage of blame wherever you want, but at the end of the day, when they win things, they're all great. So when they're not winning things and they've made a mess of something, they're all not good. They're not all not, not great. So, but looking into it, and we've spoken about Liverpool can spend that money and there won't be an issue, but investment, is this a, is this something where we'll see it in the short term and it will come in? Or do you feel that this could rumble on into next season, this time next year, where it's absolutely finalised? Because people are going to get nervy. I'm going to be honest. People are going to get nervy when it comes to, especially probably June the 1st. Bang. Where's this investment? Because, you know, the season's over. You know, July 1st window's open and stuff like that. Where do you see it in, in, in a timeline? I think the search, the, the timing
0: of the, the search to start in probably gives an in, indication of how much time they wanted to give themselves to try and wrap something up. It um, feels like they've moved to the a next stage now in terms of identifying some people they want to work with. Um, John Henry said he thinks that something will happen. Um, Timescales, I don't know. I don't think it's predicated. I don't think um, Liverpool's ability to spend is predicated on them getting investment. But I do think their long-term ability to, you know, They'll have a little bit of a grace period to be able to spend some money and bring some players in. Um, but they won't be wanting to go too far beyond the summer, um, or, or, or too, too deep into this year. Um, if they are, do have plans to spend without having some cast iron assurances around investment coming into the football club. Um, will it happen? I think it will. Um, before the summer, potentially, I, I do. I, I think they've. It's not lost on them. I don't think that there is a a concern in over here now around uh, how how the team looks moving forward because I mean, you you can't just continue to go to the same well when you haven't got any saleable assets like they have had in the past. Um, you actually have to spend some money now, and that's come from the, the fact that really, as you mentioned before, you've kind of they've kind of missed at least two windows of, of where they could have addressed problems, etc., and move players on. And so it's a It's a problem of their own making which they're gonna have to pick up the tab for really so i do think investment will arrive but again it's a bit it's a bit more different than just bringing in any old private equity partner or or or, or private investor it's um it's a case of that i do think this ultimately starts the the beginning of the end i've said this a few times around fsg i think they want someone the word
1: strategic partner tells you that they're not coming in just looking for someone's money they're looking for someone to come in and have a say and possibly increase their say
0: yeah, I think I think they want someone to come in, um, help them drive forward. So you, you look at—I mean, I know Liberty Media was mentioned. They said this is just a pure, you know, purely using this as an example. Um, so Liberty Media, for example, uh own the F1, and and they have so things that drive to survive have been the absolute making of what F1 is at the moment. I mean, it was a, it was a sport which was struggling a bit level for that in terms of audience now i mean my wife watches this um drive to survive and she has no you know she's never watched an f1 race in her life before so things like that and it's not it's not just talking about amazon all or nothing documentaries or anything like that yeah my wife's the same with
1: full swing she's never it's about content i play golf she hates She she not hates golf no interest and she literally watched them all in a day because she just went this is amazing It's about
0: it's about content i'm not just saying about making you know they just want someone to make documentaries about liverpool they go they want someone to come in who has an idea of how to reach audiences and engage and ultimately drive revenues forward. Because that's what it's about. I mean, they have a huge fan base. I mean, they want to continue to grow it, yes. But then they have to try and find ways of um, extracting money from, from it, really. Mm. Um, and putting themselves at the vanguard of of where football is going um, and, and making sure that they are well positioned for that. So, And it sounds really, you know, in the cold light of day, when you, you, we talk about football like this, and I get that it's my job. To talk about football finance, but it's all—it seems kind of, um, it—it's very much goes against what ultimately we—we—it we, takes you away from what goes on the pitch. But now it's so, um, it's so kind of it goes hand in hand with what goes on on the pitch. It, it, it's impossible to ignore. So, um, I do think that they will tie something up, but I do think it will be for someone that could potentially accrete a minority shareholding over time. I'm uh, and, and possibly. Give- fsg an out which would be simpler to 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 kind of uh conclude at a later date uh and it means they don't have to leave any value on the table it means they can realize some cash now for things they can recapitalize the business and it's um and, and, and everyone's happy but that's only everyone's happy provided they spend some money on the team
1: yeah i think like just just people asking there like um you know if if, if they don't um invest significant money in the summer would you know like let's be honest about it if if fsg come out this summer after what i believe is mistakes they've made between them and i've said it already between them and other parties within the club they've made mistakes over this squad if they don't write that this summer okay um oh like it's it, people are asking what to be under pressure yes massively massively yeah. because you know when you see the words from Jurgen klopp over the last two weeks in particular his whole demeanour has changed, where he used to be, oh, you know, we're always in the market and if something, the right player comes up, and that's been thrown around so many times, the right player. But his whole demeanour has changed, where he's he's basically saying, oh no, we we need to do something here. We absolutely need to do something and we are going to do something. You know, so, it's not like we can get to the end of the summer and we haven't signed three or four players, which the absolutely needs. And that's not, listen, you can be the most Avid Liverpool fans just want player after player in the door but any Liverpool fan looking at it going it's definitely three or four players. It's actually four plus pro- possibly I think four is probably the number where yeah that's a sweet enough number. You could go a bit more dependent if you wanted to do something around the edges of the squad but if they get to the end of that summer the pressure absolutely comes on them because you can't revert back to Klopp and people saying oh but Klopp's saying the right player and Klopp's saying this and Klopp, Klopp's telling you three months out. Before this window opens, he needs to do something. And Liverpool are famed for looking at players a year before. So it's it's definitely something where I would be amazed if Liverpool don't invest huge money into summer. Absolutely amazed because of what's gone on before, the demeanour of the manager, what he said, what's needed. And amongst all this has been talk of sales and you know, partial investments and stuff like that. But uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But um, you know, Jude Bellum's gonna cost a few quid. Um so there we go. And um everyone's biting that's the lip and they're looking sideways when he's being mentioned and um but look we we'll have to wait and see. But look, Dave Again. Put on credit card. It's fine. <laughs> Put it on the card. Um, of course. The, the, isn't that the thing with Chester? No credit cards at the, at the club. No credit cards. No, we can't no have credit cards at the level. club. Chester, <laughs> no credit facilities whatsoever <laughs> around with the fans. So if you're ever if you're ever around Chester, go down and, and watch them. You might find Dave in the bar. We're flying now. Actually, we're
0: absolutely flying. So yeah, they're yeah. flying.
1: So you never know. They, they, they could be playing Liverpool sooner than you think. Um, but look, Dave. I know it's Friday night. I know you've been busy, man, oh, all thanks. week. Um, um, but it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks, to everyone that's been in the chat, um, that's put in their comments this evening. I've I've read loads of them as they've gone along. Um, I've put a few up on the screen. We've just about ran out of time though, because there's another show coming on the channel in about ten minutes' time where we preview the Premier League. So go and check that out. Um, like, subscribe, comment. Um, we're open. You, you do what you like. It's a fill your boots. Um, Dave, it's been a pleasure.
0: As always, Gav.
1: Yeah. Um, and the next time John John W. Henry opens his mouth, I'll give you a ring. <laughs> <laughs> so you see this to me first. So. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Good night. That's, that's been it. Talk to you in a bit. Over in yeah. Take care.